In his statement, it is mentioned that he dissolved at least 300 bodies. Some estimates put his numbers at a little over 650 bodies. In this episode of Narco Personalities, we shall be delving into the story of Santiago Meza Lopez, alias El Chago, El Pozolero, or as I have decided to refer to him, the Stewmaker, for reasons you will understand later in the episode. This dude comes from humble beginnings in pretty much every way imaginable. With a loving mother, a hardworking father who was present in his life. Sure they were broke, but they were a very strong-built family. They had each other. They did not have a messed up or abusive childhood like many of the psychos we look at in many of these documentaries. Santiago comes from a family of specialized brickmakers spanning over 50 years. His father, Salvador Meza, was a hard-working family man. And his mother, Rita Montoya Lopez, a loving mother. They had 10 children. One girl and 9 dudes, including Santiago. The one that ended up being the stew maker. He was born in a small town in Sinaloa, where he lived his early childhood, attended school, and dropped out at the age of 15 to join in the family brick-making business. He basically dropped out to support his family. Pretty much like many of the other poverty-stricken teenage dudes in his hometown in the 1980s. They were a notable family of brick-makers that actually took their brick production pretty seriously. They started off with rudimentary back-breaking methods, but adapted to better and more efficient ways as technology advanced. He wanted more for his life, pretty much like any normal person. So he decided to move to Tijuana in the mid-90s. He hoped to get work, make a decent living, and support his family even more. Which does not really sound like a sinister plan. For the most part, things were working out as he planned. Until they weren't. Everything went south when he found out that his only sister got brutally ripped by some scumbags. Not much is known about this unfortunate event. All that is known is that these scumbags belong to an organized criminal organization. This messed up Santiago's psyche. Something within him was changed. Due to this, he decided to join the Tijuana cartel. I am not necessarily sure about what he planned to accomplish with this, but I am guessing he hoped to avenge his sister's rape in one way or another. My son is a good and hardworking boy. He always helps his father make bricks. I am not saying this because he is my son. Everyone around here appreciates him. He is very calm. His mother calmly explained when interviewed after his arrest. Melcher Meza Lopez, his younger brother, mentioned that Santiago was a really good dude. He was always a great big brother, and the only reason he went to Tijuana in the first place was to look for a better life. Not just for himself, but also for the rest of the family. The general consensus was that Santiago was a very good, level-headed, hard-working, kind and calm kid. Pretty much everyone in his family and childhood community spoke well of him. His nickname, El Pozolero, kind of translates to the maker of Pozole, which is a Mexican stew made with hominy, chicken, pork, and vegetables. Argo, the stew maker. Only in this case, his ingredients are human remains. It is mentioned that the stew maker did not technically directly murder anyone, as his demeanor and backstory paints him to be this great dude that would not even harm a fly. He on the other hand, liquefied and vanished a couple of hundred already dead people. These were usually delivered to his workshop by Tijuana cartel sicarios. Sometimes as full bodies, other times as dismembered body parts. These body parts belonged to pretty much anybody. Kidnap victims, enemies of the Tijuana cartel, random victims of cartel operations, politicians, police officers, or even ordinary people that happen to look at the cartel leadership the wrong way. We all know how insane these folks can be. The Tijuana cartel is one of the best managed narco groups in Mexico. 
They have been active since the 80s, so they have had plenty of time to grow. They have historically enjoyed, and still enjoy control of the lucrative border region between Baja California and the United States. This spot is vital because their product is so close to the market, which is the rich people in California. While other narco organizations may control border territory, most of their jurisdictions are connected to smaller cities and towns. The price of coke in El Paso, Texas is significantly lower than the price of coke in California. Logistically speaking, the narco group that smuggles directly to California makes a lot more cash than someone who first has to pass through other states in the US. Not to mention the reduced risk. That's how powerful it is. Okay? That's how powerful it is. All this activity means the Tijuana cartel is always busy. This leads to more conflict, which leads to more bodies being dropped on a regular basis. Hence, more inventory for the stew maker. His stew making career officially started in the year 2000. He most likely started as a Sicario in the late 90s and walked his way up the ladder pretty much like everyone else. The stew maker's process. He had a normal life like pretty much any other middle-aged man, with a wife and kids. He had property scattered in various places. Most of which were ranches. These were pretty important to his process. The Sicarios would bring in bodies that had dropped from various recent operations. The remains were sometimes already in pieces. When the remains arrived at the stewmaker's kitchen, it is unclear if he further pulverized them or left them as they were. He had a giant makeshift container that could hold up to 200 liters of liquid. He would then fill up the giant container halfway through with water. He would then add two sacks of sodium hydroxide. This created a highly corrosive liquid. He then dropped the body parts in. Dissolving a whole human as one intact piece would be trouble to manage and not to mention take a whole lot of time. This is why the bodies were dismembered and possibly cut up to even smaller pieces. To ensure that the chemical reaction happens faster and more efficiently. An exothermic reaction is created when sodium hydroxide is added to water. Exothermic means heat is released during the reaction. This was pretty much the stew maker's intention. The reaction between sodium hydroxide and water breaks chemical bonds. In this case, the chemical bonds that keep flesh and bone intact. In simple terms, the reaction breaks down tissue, disintegrates and dissolves the whole thing. Once the stew maker immersed his pieces of flesh into the corrosive concoction, he then let the chemicals do what they do. As the reaction happened, the pieces of flesh were slowly eaten up bit by bit. He would let the mixture rest for up to 8 hours. I'm guessing he would safely stir the cooking stew at regular intervals. In the end, the mixture turned into a paste-like liquid that looked like unfiltered coffee. After the reaction had broken down every bit of flesh, bits of bone and anything else in the mix. Other chemistry sources mention that given enough time, the majority of bone gets dissolved during such reactions. What remains is usually so brittle that you can basically squish it in your palm. At the end of 8 hours, the stew maker would drain the giant container and let out the slurpy stew. I am guessing he had a connection to the town's drainage system. Other sources mention that he simply poured the liquid into a septic tank and this would go the direction of all toilet waste from the ranch. This would basically take care of the liquid part of the mixture. He would then collect anything that remained, usually teeth, tough bone fragments or prosthetics, pile them up, soak them in gasoline and burn them. Obviously not everything burned to ash. This is where the fact that he preferred to work at ranches comes in. He would then bury all these remaining parts in pits all over the ranch to let nature take care of the rest. Some sources say that he boiled the body parts. This makes no sense. 
Mixing sodium hydroxide in water creates an exothermic reaction. The reaction in itself produces heat. Adding external heat would be a risky and not entirely clever idea. It is also important to note that you add sodium hydroxide into the water, not the other way around. Pouring water onto sodium hydroxide would create an instant exothermic reaction that would blow up in your face. Additionally, at no point should this stuff ever touch the skin. You will be totally fucked. Not in a cute way. After all this, the stew maker would then go back home to his daily business. To spend time with his wife and kids. He loved his family so much that he later told them he would rather do the work he does. Than watch his family starve. The stew maker was paid $600 a week for his services. This is quite a substantial salary in Mexico. The dude was making a killing. For almost a decade, he did this to over 300 bodies. These are just the ones that he recalls. That is about 30 people per year. Which gives us 2 to 3 bodies per month. Other estimates put his numbers much higher. Close to 650 bodies total. Which brings his numbers to at least one body every week for 10 years. The stew maker was under the direct supervision of García Cimental, also known as El Teo, or El Tres Letras. He was a lieutenant of the Tijuana cartel until he fell off with the cartel's leaders and ended up joining the Sinaloa cartel. He was arrested in January 2010. After his arrest on January 25, 2009, an excavation exercise was conducted that revealed close to 15,000 pieces of human remains on his various ranches of operations. These included mainly bone and teeth, the items that could not be dissolved in his workshop. In 2015, a judge issued a formal prison order against the stew maker. I am not entirely sure what this even means, but he has been hanging out in prison since 2009. He was not necessarily given a prison sentence, mostly because he had pretty good lawyers, and the fact that he is said to not have actually killed anyone, kind of helps his case. He may not get sentenced to anything severe, and his sentence may even be far less. Considering he has been serving time since 2009. Some sources say he will be eligible for parole in 2022. There is a very high chance that the stewmaker could be out sooner than most would like. His case is shrouded in legal jargon that I do not think is very relevant for this episode. Many sources try to get creative with the stewmaker's story. To me, his story is pretty direct and clear. A dude who grew up poor. Moved to the city for a better life. His only sister gets ripped by some scumbags. This event messes up his psyche. The good dude turns bad. He joins a cartel. He walks his way up the ladder. He becomes the stew maker. He does this for close to a decade. He gets caught. He is now hanging out in prison. He may be out soon. Thanks for being with me on this episode of Narco Personalities. Please subscribe to the channel, leave a thumbs up or comment. Your active participation in the comments section helps this episode and others like it get suggested to a whole lot of new audiences, which in turn helps keep the lights on around here.